Good morning. Glad you're here this morning to worship with us. I'd like to welcome some guests and welcome back some members. Uh, Gary and Joni Hamilton are here. And 25 years ago, they, they were a part of Church in the Valley when we started, right after we started. And 25 years ago, they went to Chico, California, and planted a church in Chico, and they're celebrating 25 years of uh, being there and church life in Chico in September, at the end of September, 25th anniversary. So Cindy and I get to go and be a part of that. But Gary and Joni, would you wave your hands? They're back here. Yeah. Um. Also, we have some members who are back from Central Asia, Randy and Crystal Paul. They're here. They work over there and serve the people there. And also their sons are here, Nathan and Josiah Paul. And you guys wave. The the boys are over here. and I'm not quite sure what's going on. (laughs) Randy and Crystal (laughs) are over here. But good good to have you guys back. They're here for a month. Nathan's going to go to college in Riverside at Cal Baptist. And so they're dropping him off. They came a long way to do that. But it's great to... Great to have them here. Today, we are launching a new series called My Life in Focus. And the main goal of the series is to connect our vision, our picture of what life should be, could be, with everyday motivation. How, how we're, my goal in this series is to show how important it is to have the right picture and even have a picture, a vision for your life. What, what's it all about? What does it what should it look like? This is a very important thing. So what we want to do is connect the dot between our vision and everyday motivation. Proverbs says that people without vision cast off restraint. So if you don't have a compelling picture of what your life could be, then you, you tend to just sort of go at life haphazard. And, and not one of us has currently a picture-perfect life, do we? I mean, we just don't. When we look at our relationship to God, it might be fuzzy. The, the picture might be even sketchy. Our picture of ourselves could be distorted. When we think about ourselves, uh, we, we, don't, we don't see ourselves accurately. It could be a little warped. And yet, self-image is crucial to living a full life. So we really need the right picture of ourselves. Our family life may be a shattered picture, uh, different levels of shatter, of fractured relationships that need to be repaired. Uh, there, there's not a purpose that's drawing our family forward. We don't have a compelling vision for our family. And, and what it's all about. Take a snapshot of our finances. Uh, maybe we don't want to look. We don't want to look at that one. But it may, may bring a sense of despair. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to happen. Andy Stanley says, Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. And that's what we're talking about, really. In this series, the picture of the world we live in is marred uh, from God's original creation. It's 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 not what God originally intended it to be because we have chosen to rebel against him 
as, as human beings, as people, the people that he made. So what's the right picture that God wants me to have for the role I should play in the world in different arenas? Getting that picture in mind is very powerful. Ha- having that picture, it motivates us to work under God to do life his way, and it, it draws us forward to, to work with him to help the picture come together. Vision is a clear mental picture of what I want to accomplish with my life, what, what could be, what should be accomplished. And in our culture, there, there are many, many different visions, pictures, clear mental pictures of, of what life should be. And what life could be. I, I'd like to show you one. Here's, here's a Coca-Cola commercial. And it gives, it gives a, a clear picture of what life is currently, but what it could be in the future. Let's watch this together. That's a compelling picture, isn't it? How life is, how I want it to be, and get, I want me some Coke. Okay, right now, give me some Coke. Actually, I've had a few Cokes. That's never happened. It, it's never really brought things together. But what we, we're bombarded in our culture with all kinds of pictures, all kinds of visions, and all kinds of solutions for integrating that picture, for developing a picture that will draw us forward. And so that, that's what we're talking about. What, what's God's picture for different arenas in our life, for uh, handling our finances, for our family life, for church life? What's his picture? What's he want here? Um, what, what about our role in culture? You know, politics. We see a lot of pictures painted by politicians. We're in an election year or prior to, and it's starting to ramp up. So we're getting pictures. What, what, how, what's our role? What's the picture look like for us as we choose how we're going to decide, how we're going to vote, how we're going to move forward? We need something to pull the right picture together. We desperately do. For the Christ follower, the aim is not just a vision, but a godly vision. Godly means just a God-referenced vision. It's a clear mental picture of what God wants me to accomplish with my life. That's, that's what we desperately need. Because he, he actually is the one who's going to bring things together over time. But you see a shift. 
this describes really what it means to follow Christ. When we decide to invite Jesus to lead our lives, we put God's goals as the most important goals in our life. His vision for me becomes the most important thing, what what he wants. And vision brings clarity as we create a picture of the right goals to strive for and what life could be if we were to reach those goals. This is, this is what we're talking about in this series. We need to develop that picture of what God wants so that it's clear, so that it's in focus, so that we can see it as we relate to our families, as we go to work, as we serve here in church life. What, what's going on? What's the picture? What's it all about? What, what's, what's happening here? And then the picture isn't enough. There is something crucial between the picture and making it a reality. That is ownership. Ownership is crucial. You have to not only have the vision, but you have to make it your own. You have to take ownership of it, take responsibility for it. Nobody else is responsible to put the picture together for you. God's given you your life. He's given you responsibility to make the most of it. And so the, the connecting dot between the vision and making it reality is ownership. Taking responsibility. And, and when you make it your own, something happens. We're going to look at uh, a passage from the life of uh, Paul and how he, he made his vision his own. And the picture he had, and it, it provides, it's going to provide a template for us for developing a godly vision. But what you see in him and what you see in those who take responsibility for their vision, the vision God gives them for their life is they give their resources, their time, their energy, their money. They give it to accomplish that vision. They, their heart's wrapped around it. So they give themselves to it. They also accept the pressure that comes with turning the vision into a reality. There's a tremendous amount of pressure. And Paul talks about, as he set out to do what God laid on his heart to do, God gave him a clear vision for his life. As he set out to do it, there's a tremendous amount of suffering. The word literally means pressure. A tremendous amount of pressure that he was willing to to deal with as he pushed forward to do what God had called him to do. So here's the equation. Here's what it looks like. Vision plus ownership equals everyday motivation. That, that's that's how, we, how we get moving every day toward the life that God has called us to live. This is, this is what we give ourselves. When we align ourselves with God's vision for us, we get traction like never before. We, we get moving. We're not lazy, but focused on doing our part. As God works with us, un, as we work under him to complete the picture, we're not a burden to others. You know, we're, not, we're not looking to them, hey, hey, you're, you're messing with my picture. Okay, you're, you're the problem here. We don't, we don't do that. We don't blame other people. We take responsibility to do our part. To, to work toward the vision God's given us. We're not a burden. We serve people with a greater purpose in mind. We don't shift the blame to others. 
I live for an agenda beyond myself. This is what God made us for. He made us to live for something beyond ourselves. And that motivates me to get beyond and deal with the hassles of life. God paints a very clear picture of what life could be and what it should be in the scripture. And we're going to look at, in this series, we're going to look at different snapshots for what that, what that looks like in different arenas of our life. Today, as I said, we're going to look at the template. But what you see is God shows us this and Christ followers should aim to have a clear vision for their lives based on his picture. We, we line up with his picture for our life. When, when you decide to follow Christ, he, he becomes your leader. Not in a general way, not in a distant way, but in a very specific and practical way, we follow him in a very close and personal relationship. When you decide to make him boss, when you decide to follow Jesus as Lord and leader, he comes to live inside of you in the person of his Holy Spirit. He's very close. And he, he helps moment by moment, if you rely on him, he helps you live the life that he has painted for you in, in Scripture. In the passage we're going to dig into in a few moments, Paul lays out a clear mental picture of the purpose of his life. And he says his purpose is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And he paints some pictures in the passage that we're going to look at. But that's the, the heart of his picture is knowing Christ and experiencing the power of his resurrection. That's at the center of what Paul says the Christian life should be all about. Knowing Christ. And his description is a snapshot full of important details for us. So as we get into it, we're going to see those. But I, I want to stop and I want to talk about what it means to know Christ. That word, it was originally written in Greek, and it's an important word to understand what it means because there's some nuances that we don't get necessarily in English because it can mean many different things. So I want to stop and talk about that because to know Christ and the power of his resurrection is the gold that Paul rushes after. This is what he lives his life for. This is at the center. And we're talking about it today because it's, it's at the center of how we live out all of the, the pictures that we have for different arenas of life. The word know in the Greek that it was originally written in is gnosis. And it, it means, I, I just want to read this, but it, it denotes in ordinary Greek, the intelligent comprehension of an object or matter. So we get that. We know something. We, we, we get our minds. We comprehend. We get our minds around it. We understand more of it. Uh, whether this comes for the first time or comes afresh. So whether, whether you, you are finding this out, discovering it for the first time, or whether or not you, you remember, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what happens. This is this is the way it works into the consideration of the one who grasps it. So whether it comes the first time or comes afresh into our consideration, we grasp it 
And, and the, it, it literally means to come to know or to experience. And that's what I want to focus on. This is, this is the nuance of this. So this is the, what this word to know Christ means. Because to know him doesn't have anything to do with an intellectual understanding of the historical figure of Jesus Christ. You know, we can read history. We can learn about him. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about knowing about Jesus Christ. He's talking about coming to know him through experience. There's only one way to do that. The way to do that is to step out and obey him and to do what he says. And as we live for him every day of our lives, not setting aside what we would do, our picture of what should happen, but stepping out to do what he says to do, you find out, you discover, you grasp, you come to know, you experience that he's real and that he's right. And he begins to work to prove himself true over and over and again and prove himself real. Paul says the most important thing in life is to know Jesus Christ more and more as we live our everyday lives. You get to know him as you allow him to call the shots. You know, we get in situations, you come, you, you decide to follow Christ and it's, you know, the flesh still remains our old ways. So we have a choice. Do I go my way or Jesus way? In his word, he shows us how to relate to God, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be parent the kids. He's given direction on how to please him at work how to handle our finances, uh, how to do ministry. For example, one of the pictures he gives in Scripture is um, found in Ephesians 5. And it's a picture of marriage. It's a compelling picture. It's a, it's a very clear picture of what it looks like to live out marriage in a way that pleases God. And there's some, there are commands and direction given to the husband and the wife, and none of them are easy. <laughs> for either person in the marriage, it's not easy, the direction that God gives. I'm not going to talk about this passage, but I'm using it as an illustration. But you see the commands and boundaries and a beautiful picture of what marriage could be and should be in Ephesians 5. In a way, it's kind of like a coloring book. You, you have the boundaries of the picture that God's painting, and you can choose how to color inside those boundaries. There are a lot, there are many ways to live out uh, marriage inside that, that picture that, that God's painted for us. We get to know Jesus better as we set out to please God in living inside the boundaries and inside the lines. He, he gives a picture in the Bible through commands and boundaries for each aspect of our lives. Every aspect. And we get to know him better as we live for him in each aspect. We do it his way, not our way. We, we decide to go the way he says, not our own. We color inside the lines as we walk with Jesus through his spirit. And we get to know Jesus better as we develop the picture in our mind that he wants. And we set out to pick, paint the picture every day in the choices that we make with our own mix of upbringing, gifts, wiring, personality, flair, 
you know, we, we, we bring ourselves to it. And that's what makes it unique. So in, in this series, we, we hope to motivate you to get a clear picture of what God wants for our marriage, family, career, ministry, and, and all. Just, just to motivate you. We don't have time to paint the whole picture, but we want to give snapshots and help motivate you toward those things so that we give ourselves to do our part and play our role in making it a reality. So now let's look at the template that the Apostle Paul gives us in Philippians 3 of how to go from vision to reality. He, he, paints, uh, he gives us a very clear template. It's in Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Paul was given a vision by God, and it was huge, huge vision. Actually, it was literal vision. He actually saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. But his vision, as God, after that encounter with Christ, to begin with, God began to give him a specific vision for his life. And his vision, his assignment from God, his picture of what his life would be about, was to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, to the entire Roman Empire to the best of his ability. So that was his, that was his vision, to spread the gospel throughout the, the Roman Empire. It's a very specific vision he received from God. Now, the command for all believers, all Christ followers, is to have a part in making disciples, helping people come to know Christ and grow up in him, understanding how to obey him in every way. So this is... That's the big picture. Paul's specific picture is I'm, I'm supposed to go throughout the Roman Empire and help non-Jewish people come to know Christ and begin to grow up in him. I'm, I'm to make disciples among those folks. That was his unique vision. Peter, another key guy in, in uh, Jesus' life that Jesus poured into, Peter had another vision. His was to... Stay among the Jewish folks and help them begin to grow and develop in their faith. And, and the other 12, the rest of the 12 disciples, uh, they had their own vision. And, and God filled it in. You know, there's this big picture of what we're supposed to be doing. And God wants us to connect with him and get a clear picture of our unique role in the overall effort. It's the same with every area, like marriage. There's this picture, there are these boundaries that God gives, and he wants us to get a picture and, and walk with him moment by moment as he helps us fill that picture in. Same with our finances, same in church life, same, it's, this is the way it works. So, in Philippians 3... Paul's template shows us how to turn that vision as we walk with God, we get to know him. He shows us how to turn it into a reality. The first part of the template is to develop a clear mental picture that shapes my priorities day by day. Paul says in Philippians 3, 7 and 8, but whatever, I gain, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing, there's that word, gnosis, knowing, Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul had a clear vision of what he was living for every day. 
What really matters is knowing Christ as you live for him. And here's the picture in his mind. You see it. Every other pursuit is garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. That's the picture in his mind as he lived his his day. The most important thing going on, for instance, at work. You know, we're going to get up. Most of us are going to get up, go to work on Monday morning. The most important thing at work is not power, status, advancement, working on the project that we're doing, but it's getting to know Christ better as I do those things. That's the most important thing. He's going to be there at work with you. And so the most important thing is everything else in comparison. Now, it's important. It's not rubbish. You know, the, the work is good. God says work is good. But everything else fades in comparison to doing my work, putting out the effort, approaching it, choosing the attitude that pleases him. Because as I learn to do that, that's a process we're all going through that's going to continue till the day we die. But as I choose that, I get to know Christ better and better every day. It's not about me. It's about him. And when you decide to follow Christ, he's the one you live for. This is the gold I rush after in my life. This this is what really matters. It's right that God's number one in our lives and that he is painting the picture. He's the one that made us. I paint a picture in my mind of what it looks like for me. I work with God to develop that picture and I go for it. I give it my best shot. And for me, I found that that picture pulls me forward toward the right things. I need to develop a picture for each area of my life. Because without a vision, without the picture, I cast off restraint. Uh, I'm just going to do it my way. I give up. You know, why even try? I've tried a zillion times, and it just doesn't work. So we need this picture. We need this vision. A second part of the template is to take ownership to do my part to make it happen. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to 12 and 13, then we'll come back to the other passages. Not that, uh, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I, and then we'll look at that later. But here, here's the idea. I make this goal my own. I take ownership of it. I'm not perfect. I don't have my life. There's not a perfect picture in any part of my life right now. But I keep moving in the direction of working with God, under God, to make it the way he wants it to be. Paul's saying, hey, I'm not perfect. And I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I'm going to take ownership for my own growth and progress in life. And he pours himself out. He puts all his resources into doing that. The third part of the template is, as I take action to fulfill the vision, I keep depending on God in faith. And be found in him. uh, We're picking up a thought. But the key thing is, he doesn't have a righteousness of his own that comes from the law. In other words, my righteousness, what makes me right before God, is not my own effort. 
It's not, not doing things, uh, not being good, not doing right. The righteousness that I have comes through faith in Christ. Complete, this is it, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is how we start out in the Christian life. We quit trying to be good enough to please God and realize we will never get there. And we, we just surrender and say, Jesus, you were good for me. I accept what you've done on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I give my life to following you now. That, that's what Paul's saying. This is how we start out the Christian life. As I aim to live rightly before God, I know I can't do it on my own strength. So we start out the Christian life that way, and we continue it depending on God in faith to give us what we need to live it. Fourth, this is kind of a shocker. I keep dying to myself and wait for God to fulfill his purpose for me. So uh, I, I have the righteousness from God that depends on faith as I put my trust in Christ that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I'm, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. As we live for the Lord, you and I will be forced over and over again to decide whether we're going to fall back and do life on our own or whether we're going to die to ourselves, die to our old way, and do things God's way. Every day we hit these intersections where we've got to decide this. If we don't ever die to ourselves, now this is including when you come to Christ, maybe you have the wrong understanding of what it means to follow Christ. If we don't ever die to ourselves, we don't ever experience the resurrection that God has for us. Life never grows out of that because Jesus said that you have to plant the seed in the ground. You have to bury it in order for the, the tree to grow. And that's the way it is. You have, to, you have to die to yourself so that you can experience the life God has for us. This is true when we first come to Christ, when we continue to live for him. We keep arriving at places where it looks like the vision or picture we have in our minds for life is not going to happen. It's, it's not going to come together. It's at this point that we give it over to God. We surrender it to God. And we bury it. And we trust him to bring to life whatever is best and whatever is good for us. That, that's the truth you find in Scripture. And, and that's what Paul's saying. Finally, to move from vision to reality, I must press forward in the face of adversity. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says. Now, at the beginning of Paul's ministry, he and his teammate Barnabas go into the city of Lystra. And he's, he's living out his vision. This is his vision. God told him, hey, Paul. You're not going to work with the Jews. You're going to work with the non-Jews, the Gentiles. And you're going to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. So he starts doing that. He and his teammate Barnabas, they go into the city of Lystra. They're, they're there to spread the good news about Jesus Christ and make disciples. Um, 
He and, he and all the other apostles in the first century carried out their ministry under tremendous oper, oper, opposition, under persecution and opposition. And so if Paul gets to Lystra, he, he's used by God to heal a man from a sickness. He shares the gospel with a crowd, and the opposition hears, Jews from Antioch and Iconium came to Lystra, they stoned him, they drug him out of the city, and they left him for dead. So here he is. He, this is the vision from God that he has. He's, he's just starting to carry it out. He goes to Lystra. Some good things are happening. He heals a man. People come to Christ. Oh, these guys come in, beat the tar out of him, drag him out of the city, and leave him for dead. Now, I wonder what Paul was saying as he was laying there underneath the stone, or what he was thinking. What do you think he was thinking? Is he's, he's, like, he's just been pommeled with heavy-duty stones. What do you think he was, he was thinking? God, I know this is your vision for me. And I, I don't know how in the world it's going to come together now. I think I might be dying. But I, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you with it. And, and this is what needs to happen over and over again in our lives as we try to live the vision out. There, there are times when um, it doesn't look like the vision's going to come together. But Paul learned the pattern early. If you really want to follow Christ, this is the pattern. It's not what you expect. God gives a vision. It looks like it's dead. You trust him. And God brings back to life whatever pleases him and whatever is best for you. This is the pattern you see in scripture. You may have a vision, a clear picture of what God wants in your marriage, in parenting, with your finances, at work, in ministry. And right now, it looks like the vision is dead, or it's dying at least. It's at this point that you need to die to yourself and say, God, I really want this vision to come together. But I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust you to resurrect whatever pleases you, whatever you want. I'm going to keep doing Right, as far as I know. I'm going to keep giving it over to you, God. I'm going to keep trusting you in faith, depending on you, not my own effort to pull this vision together. But I'm going to trust you. This, this is the heart of the template that Paul is giving us for making a vision reality. When I first started walking with the Lord, my, my picture of what that meant was very fragmented. I'd get into the Bible on Sundays, I'd hear a message, and then I'd take off on my own during the week. And So Jesus was sort of like a motivational speaker. You know, it's like I came to Christ, I go on Sundays, hey, this is awesome. Okay, I get fired up, and then I go on the rest of the week and do what I want. A after I learned to get into the Bible myself, then I hit this point where I learned to get into the Bible for myself. So I'd get up in the morning, you know, not just on Sundays, but I get up in the morning and 
I get into scripture and God would speak to me through it. And I would get some insight or encouragement or strengthening in the scripture. And then I'd go through the rest of the day without checking back with him. So Jesus was sort of like a morning DJ. You know, you got, hey, some really good music or talk radio. Yeah, you hear some really good things or whatever. And, and, you know, that's cool, but you move on through the life. Over time, my picture has changed. And this is what Paul's talking about here. My picture has shifted of who Jesus is and the role he wants to play in my life. He is my moment-by-moment guide. He's the one I lean on. He's right here to help me in the moment with whatever it is I'm doing and giving myself to. I need to let him help me think and do life his way. And as I do that, I get to know him better. So when you realize Jesus is with you in the moment, completely shift your perspective. As you try to repair the relationship in the family, as you try to take the shattered picture that Uh, needs to come back together as you try to work toward bringing things back together you rely on him depends on him in faith You, you might even die to the picture ever coming together god this is what i i would love this is seems like what you want i can't bring it together i can't do it on my own i've got to depend on you in faith to bring that picture together. And so God, I, I help me to say the right things, do the right things, think the right things, choose the right attitudes. You can ask for help in the moment while you're relating to the folks around you, to your family. As you set your budget, you consider what will please him. Ask, ask his help. Ask for his help. Not only setting the budget, but doing the budget. That's the hard part. Oh, God, I want this. <laughs> But help me, help me use self-control in the way I'm handling my finances. In responding to the political environment, you put your hope in God. And you get the picture of doing everything you can do. Your part to contribute to the culture, to the society we're in. He provides the power to share your faith. You get in situations where, you know, oh, I need to share my faith with this person. And the Holy Spirit brings it up like, well, you need to say something right now. You need to just share about the goodness of God with them. God, Lord, would you help me? He's, he's there. This is what he wants. And this is how you get to know him. As you deal with life, putting your faith in him, you find out that he's real. As I wrap up today's message, uh, I'd like to ask you if you would pull out the connection card that's in the program. You may have looked at it before and started filling it out. If you'd finished completing any information or next steps that you haven't had an opportunity to fill out, that'd be great. When the offering comes around, you can drop the card in the offering. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the picture God has for us, his vision for how we handle our money, our fa- uh, sharing our faith, following Christ despite adversity, family life, and what we live for. But today, I'd like to ask you to consider taking a couple next steps. One of those would be set aside time 
to write out my current vision for my life and compare it with the template in Philippians 3, 7 through 14 and decide maybe some perspective adjustments I need to make. So you set some time aside this week to do that. And then I'd like to invite you to attend the rest of the series as we look at these things and how, how God wants us to, to paint this, this picture in our minds. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we have in Scripture. And I thank you for your, your kindness to us and the way that you work with us to bring the picture about. And I pray that you'd help each of us to give ourselves to following you and to trusting you and depending on you in faith, not our own righteousness, not our own selves, but on you, the living God, who wants to work with us to use our life for your purpose. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.